Hello everyone, this is Father Jeremiah. It's uh, good to be with you. And the question of Jesus that we are reflecting on today is the question, why are you afraid? It's a reading here from the Gospel according to Mark. On that day when evening had come, Jesus said to his disciples, Let us go across to the other side. And leaving the crowd, they took him with them, just as he was in the boat. And other boats were with him, and a great storm of wind arose, and the waves beat into the boat, so that the boat was already filling. But he was in the stern, asleep on the cushion, and they woke him and said to him, Teacher, do you not care if we perish? And he awoke and rebuked the wind, and said to the sea, Peace, be still. And the wind ceased, and there was a great calm. Jesus said to them, Why are you afraid? This question of Jesus, Why are you afraid? It's a loaded question, isn't it? We might respond, how can I not be afraid? There is so much to be afraid of. In our world today, certainly not a peaceful time. There is much fear. And what about my own incompleteness? and lack that I experience in myself. Though in one sense, all of this might be true, we have to ask the question, is it worth it? Is what I am afraid of worth it? Or is it even real? Because fear prevents us from living. It causes us to hide, to shelter ourselves, to live in a protective state, a self-enclosed way of life. Is that any way to live? I almost allowed fear to prevent me from joining the friars, from entering into my vocation. Because one of the major fears I had about moving to New York City was driving in New York City. I had watched movies, I've heard stories of people driving in New York City, and I thought for sure, no one who drives in New York City gets out alive. I thought, as soon as you got into a car in New York City, you were doomed for an accident. Like, it was just part of the, the destiny of everyone who drove in, in New York City. And so, I was so afraid of driving in New York City that in my discernment, I was like, I don't think I can join the Friars, because... No one who drives in New York City gets out alive. 
But thankfully, I moved past that fear. And the third day of my postulancy, so this is just the third day of my beginning with the friars, I was with my classmates, there were 17 of us, and we were in the Bronx, in one of the friaries in the Bronx, and we went back to our friary where we lived in Harlem. And as we're coming out of the friary, my postulant director, Father Rich, turns to me and says, hey, why don't you drive home? And so, not wanting to look like I was actually afraid, I said, sure, no problem, hand me the keys. But I was pretty convinced that my heart had stopped beating and my legs <laughs> were shaking and shuddering, my knees were hitting one another. But I got into the car, and it, keep in mind, it wasn't just a, a nice little two-passenger small car. This was a 17-passenger van. It was like I was driving a school bus. So that only made things even more difficult. But as I got in the car and pulled out from the friary, about five or ten minutes into the drive, I realized, hey, I'm doing something here that I thought was impossible. And 15 minutes later, we got to our friary in Harlem. I pulled the van up to the curb, put the car in park. And as everyone was getting out, I felt this weight, this tremendous weight had just been lifted from my heart. And it wasn't the weight of, well, we just got here. Thank God everyone's okay. It was something much deeper. It was like a, it was literally like a fear that had caused so much weight, so much anxiety inside of me was all of a sudden removed because its reality was exposed as a lie. With my fear, I had written a story that was simply not based in reality. Because of my fear of driving in New York City, I had written a story that said, I can never do this, no one can do this, it's impossible. And once I got to Harlem and parked that van, immediately that fear was gone. I recognized that what I believed was a lie. The question for all of you, and even for myself, is what lies have you allowed yourself to believe in? What stories have you written that are simply not true? Maybe about yourself, about other people, or about God. So many of our fears, obviously not all of them, but so many of our fears are the result of believing a story that is simply not true. Remember the gospel I just read a few moments ago. Jesus is with the apostles on the sea. And a great storm arises. And Jesus is asleep. 
Everyone is frantic and afraid except Jesus. And he wakes up. And what does he say? He says, peace. What strange words to say in a completely non-peaceful situation. But Jesus says, peace. Certainly to the waters, but also to the apostles on the boat with him. And when is another time that Jesus says peace to his disciples? It's after the resurrection. The disciples are together and they are in the upper room and they are, the doors are shut because the gospel says they were afraid for fear of the Jews. And Jesus comes and stands among them. And he says, peace be with you. Jesus so often counters our fear with his peace. It is his peace that Jesus, is prompt, that Jesus promises us on the eve of his passion. In the Gospel of John, Jesus says, Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. What is this peace that Jesus not only talks about, but promises us. Oftentimes, a general definition of peace is the absence of war or the absence of conflict or trial. But this peace that Jesus promises us is greater, and it's not dependent upon external circumstances. In fact, his peace is in a sense dependent upon two interior realities. That if we have these two interior realities, we can be guaranteed this peace that Jesus promises. What are those realities? Well, the first is the certainty of knowing that Jesus Christ is Lord, that He is the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end, that all of world history finds its culmination in Him. And the second interior reality that we need to have to experience His peace 
is the acceptance and the knowledge that you and I are loved unconditionally by God. This is what Jesus comes to bring. This is what Jesus comes to remind us of. That as Paul says, God is for us. He is not against us. That nothing at all can separate us from the love of God that is revealed to us in Christ. Jesus wants us to know this certainty of who He is and that we are loved unconditionally. If we have those two things, I guarantee you peace. This peace that Jesus promises. But it is not a worldly peace. And it will not be, nor will it look like, worldly peace. We will not be spared conflict or struggle. And if we don't have these two interior realities, this certainty of knowing that Jesus is Lord, and this knowledge and acceptance that we are loved unconditionally, well, that's where our spiritual life begins. That is where we are today. This is what we need to be praying about today. This is what we need to be reflecting on with, with the scriptures and with a good spiritual reading. Things that can help us arrive to this certainty, to this love. One of my favorite gospel passages is Matthew chapter 6, verse 25. And in it, Jesus says, Do not be anxious about your life. What you shall eat or what you shall drink. Nor about your body what you shall put on. Why does Jesus say this? Do not be anxious about your life. Is Jesus implying that nothing will happen to us if we are Christians? That if we accept Jesus as Lord, that we'll be spared from any kind of suffering or difficulty? The obvious answer to that is, is no. Look at the martyrs. Some of the martyrs experienced tremendous suffering, tremendous persecution and pain because of the very fact that they, have, they accepted Christ. You know, Jesus is not a, a vitamin, nor is he an antibiotic that prevents us from ever getting sick or experiencing tragedy. Jesus tells us not to worry, not to be anxious about our life, because no matter what happens, whether it is good or bad. We are in the hands of God. And Jesus is our assurance of this.
And so, what do we need to do? Jesus says at the end of that gospel passage in Matthew, he says, seek first the kingdom of God and everything else will be provided for you. In other words, put God first. Trust God. Live your life not hoping that God exists, but as if God exists. Live your life not just wasting time daydreaming, not just thinking about praying, not just thinking about reading the Bible, not just thinking about someone to help in need, but do it. In a sense, get off your spiritual couch. Take God on His Word. Challenge Him. Challenge God. You know, if Jesus says, seek first the kingdom of God, and everything else will be provided for. Try it. Put God first. Live your life as if God exists. And see what happens. In many different news channels, especially um, CNN, there's this new thing that they have. It's called fact checks. And I think it's become particularly popular during this political season that we're in. But, you know, oftentimes after a debate, a politician will make all these statements about different issues, different things. And what these news agencies have been doing is they take every one of those claims and they'll actually they'll check the facts. They'll research it to see is what this person, this politician saying, is it really true? Are the facts true? And, you know, in a very real way, we need to do that with the gospel. Is the gospel true? We need to check the facts. And the question is, who are the people who we can actually go to? Or where is the place we can go to to check out these facts, if the gospel's true? You know, who are the people who actually do what Jesus says, who actually seek God first, who actually abandon themselves to Him. Well, it is the saints. The saints are these people. The saints are the ones with whom we can sort of check the facts. And what do their lives look like? What do these people who took God and His words seriously what do they look like? Well, the lives of the saints are a window in which we glimpse the love, the mercy, and the peace of God. The love of God radiates through the lives of the saints because they took God and His Word seriously. And they didn't live their lives spending the, their whole time wondering if God exists. 
but they lived as if God exists. You know, obviously, there needs to be questioning and there needs to be meditating and thinking about these things. But sometimes we can use these questions as an opportunity just to be lazy. Because if I'm not sure about God or if I'm not sure about anything, it prevents me from actually being involved. It prevents me from making a commitment. And Christ calls us to make a commitment to Him that involves action on our part, that involves getting up and following after Him. And so, how do we overcome our fears? These fears that we have that so often become blocks in, in our relationship with God, in our relationships with other people, and even with my own mental health, with my own peace. Well, if many of our fears are the result of believing a lie, or believing a story that is not true, or in other words, of, of living in an illusion, then to overcome our fears, we have to get back to reality. Jesus is reality. Nothing else. The silly media with all of these reality shows are not reality. Jesus is reality. If we want to know what life looks like, if we want to know who we are, if we want to know what God is like, we have to look, and I would say we have to stare at Christ. The apostles in the gospel read earlier are afraid, very afraid of this storm at sea. And in a sense, it is early in their spiritual life. It's the fourth chapter of Mark. And so it's just them beginning their relationship, their walk with the Lord. But as time progresses, and as they spend more time with Jesus, as they experience His mercy, as they experience His forgiveness, as they under, begin to understand more deeply who it is, who He is, what happens to these men? It's amazing to see them in the Acts of the Apostles. You know, the, the switch that we have in Lent, especially after the Triditum, and we go right into the Acts of the Apostles, beginning on Easter, and for all of Easter season, we read from the Acts of the Apostles, we are literally reading two different books about, almost in a sense, two different people. Because all of a sudden, these men, Peter, John, and all the disciples, all of these men who were weak, who were cowardly, who were not very well educated, all of a sudden they are now proclaiming the gospel everywhere and to everyone. 
They, through the grace of Christ, through their looking at Christ, through their walking with Him, they have become fearless, they have become strong, and they have become wise. And how did they overcome their fears? By spending time with Jesus. By allowing His grace, allowing His gaze to penetrate into their hearts. St. Paul is another extraordinary example of someone who overcame their fears by looking at Christ. Remember, Saul first, or Paul first is Saul. He is a zealous Pharisee who is zealous about the things of Judaism, about the law, about living out their, their religion. He consents to the death of St. Stephen. He persecutes Christians. He persecutes these early Christians who were Jews, who Paul thought had gone off the deep end. They had abandoned their faith. And the Acts of the Apostles says that Saul entered house after house of the Christians, and he dragged off men and women and committed them to prison. But what happens? Saul experiences Christ, and he has a conversion. And then he goes and joins the disciples, who the Acts of the Apostles says were all afraid of him. I mean, can you blame them? All of a sudden, this man who is trying to kill you, the very next day joins you. And Saul joins the disciples. Why? To proclaim the gospel. Do you think Paul was afraid? It would seem natural that he must have been afraid a little bit. He had abandoned his religion that he grew up with. Surely friends, family members, his teachers must have been furious over what he has just done. And then he goes and joins the side of his enemies. The very ones who he was trying to kill, he's now on their team. Was Paul wondering, would they accept him? Would they try to kill him? Paul must have been afraid, at least a little. But I love what he says in Philippians. Paul says, One thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead, I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Forgetting what lies behind, straining forward to what lies ahead. St. Paul overcame his fears by keeping his eyes on Jesus. And my brothers and sisters, this is what we must do. 
Are your fears true? I don't know. Maybe some of them are. But probably most of them are not. Stare down your fears in the light of the gospel. Stare down your fears with Christ, who is the light of the world. Allow his presence to expose in you all that is irrational, and all that is not true. And then you will be able to discern what is real and what is not, what I should do, what I shouldn't do. And this is not meant, though, to suggest that the answer is simply a spiritual answer. So, obviously, we can all benefit at times from things like counseling or from seeing a psychologist. I'm of the opinion that everybody, at some point in their life, could benefit from counseling on some level. And the reason is because God's healing hands often comes to us through our humanity particularly through a friend, or maybe a counselor, or a psychologist. Psychology is not something that we have to be afraid of or, or question. And we shouldn't be afraid or even embarrassed if we need such a service. But here's the thing. All of the, the psychology and all of the friendship in the world is not going to help us if we are not spending time with Jesus. If we are not plugging into reality and listening to the way things really are, then all of our illusions, all of our fears, not only will they get bigger, but we will be convinced that they are true. What happens to your cell phones if they are not charged? They simply don't work. The battery can only last so long. And the same is true with us. If we are not plugged in to the reality that is Jesus, we won't work. We cannot survive on our own strength on our own resources. We cannot save ourselves. We cannot heal ourselves. We cannot even understand ourselves without Him. And so, my brothers and sisters, your life is important. It is extremely important. Your life and my life is not a mistake. It is something too precious to be spent hiding because of fears. What God wants us to do is to live our lives. Yes, acknowledge our fears. 
Yes, become aware of them. But with Christ and through him, to move through those fears and not allow ourselves to become slaves because of a story that is most likely not true. Amen.